0: What does David do when he feels that everybody's against him, when he feels he's up against the impossible, when he feels that what he's doing isn't accomplishing anything? Well, here's what he does. He takes refuge in God. And the question, of course, is how do you do that?
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And uh, Colin, I'm going to guess that all of us, no matter how long we've walked with Christ, have gone through seasons where we can identify with what David was feeling, where we We've tried to live a righteous life, we've tried to follow after God, and it still seems like everything that we're doing It's going wrong. And God doesn't seem to be answering or honoring our prayers, and you do feel like just giving up.
0: Yeah, everything that I'm doing seems to be falling apart. I'm not making any progress. Nothing's working out as I hoped, or even as I prayed. And isn't it wonderful, Steve, that God has put situations like that in the Bible, real life situations Mm -hmm. where real people came to that place. Someone said to me recently, Oh, the Bible's a council of perfection. Well, that guy had he (laughs) hadn't
1: read the full Bible. He'd
0: not not read any of the Bible (laughs) either. I think because it's full of the real stories of folks who struggled with the real stuff of life. And here in Psalm 11 today, we're looking at David at a point where he's even advised to give up. You might as well just quit. And he has to find an answer. He has to find some ground on which he can stand. And his prayer in Psalm 11 just gives that to us. It's the most marvelous gift.
1: All right, so let's not wait any further. Let's get into today's message. As you just heard, we are in Psalm 11 as we begin how to pray when you feel like giving up. Here's Pastor
0: Colin. I want to begin with the second line of the psalm. Of course, we'll get to the first, but I'm beginning at the second line where David says, how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to the mountain? So, what's happening here is someone is speaking to David, and what that person or people are saying is going straight into his soul. It's going in his ears, and it's going right into his heart, and it's really got to him. And what is it that these people or this person is uh, saying to David? Verse 1, flee like a bird to the mountain. In other words, the advice that is being given to David is it's time to move on. Why? Two reasons are given. The first, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark the upright of heart. So what's being said there, obviously, is, David, there's going to be trouble. You're the target, better get out of here. That's the first reason for saying, flee like a bird uh, to your mountain. What's the second reason? Verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? David, you've been doing your best, but we're now in a really difficult situation. The very foundations themselves have been destroyed, nothing you can do is going to make any difference now. You better just get out of here. That is uh, what is being said, and this is being heard by David. It goes right into his soul. And uh, this question in in verse 3, one of the most famous questions in the Old Testament, of course, you know, uh, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I think that's a question that immediately will resonate with many of us, Uh, We look at what's happening in our country today. We see that there used to be a sort of Judeo-Christian consensus that widely across our culture there was a sort of acceptance that there's a God in heaven, that He gave Ten Commandments as a kind of rule to live by, and that we would print, in God we trust, on the money, and so forth and so on. That may have been pretty thin for many, many people, but at least it gave some kind of common consensus, foundation for life, and it certainly gave to us as Christians a marvelous opportunity to say, well, now there's God, and that means that we have to think about where we stand in relation to God, which takes you to sin and our need of Jesus Christ as Savior. But you know, and you don't need me to tell you, how very fast that is changing, how much of that is gone, how increasingly we live in a culture where people want to self-define God as whoever he, she, or it may be as, as, according to their desire. And there is a growing sense, therefore, that the very foundations of the culture are somehow being torn up, and and what a challenge this is to the church. And so, the question kind of speaks to us today. Um, We hear this voice, and it goes into our soul, but when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's worth pausing to ask the question, who is giving this advice to David? He's obviously hearing this, and it's going into his soul. And we're not told who was saying this to David, but almost certainly these were the words of a friend who cared about David deeply. And at one level, this was entirely reasonable advice. David uh, got himself into uh, some pretty dangerous situations in the course of his life. If you know this story, you'll remember that he had been chosen and anointed by God to replace the old king Saul who had been an absolute disaster for Israel. In fact, during his time, it did seem as if the foundations were being plowed up. But Saul was not ready to make way for David. He fought against David, resisted God's anointed king all the days of his life, and made life extremely difficult for David for a period of years. Uh, Saul was a man who was given to fits of rage and temper. And the Bible tells us in First Samuel in chapter 19 about an occasion where Saul, in, in a sudden fit of anger, reached for a spear or a javelin, and he saw David, who was serving at that time in Saul's courts, and he threw the javelin, trying to uh, pin David to the wall against which he was standing. David moved very quickly, and he was able to avoid the flight of the javelin, but only just And as if things were not complicated enough, David was married to Saul's daughter. Can you imagine this? Her name is Mikkel. And when David goes back to his home that night after the javelin-throwing incident, Mikkel says to him, you better get out of here, David, because uh, if you don't, Saul is going to kill you in the morning. In fact, already Saul had sent uh, agents into the house of David just to guard because he wanted to make sure that he didn't slip out or anything like that. And so, you can read this story. Uh, Mickel actually let her husband down out of the bedroom window on a rope, and then, this is genius, uh, got a stuffed dummy and put it in the bed so that when the agents of Saul came in in the morning, they would see this dummy from a distance, oh yeah, he's still there, he's still sleeping, nothing has changed, and thereby allow David time to escape. Hey, the Bible is the most marvelous book, by the way. Did you know all that's in the Bible? It's great, you should read it, wonderful, absolutely marvelous. This is exactly what David did. He escaped. And he fled to the mountains, and it was exactly the right thing to do at that time. And there are times when that is the right thing to do. Jesus said, do you remember, this is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 23, he said, when they persecute you in one place, flee to another. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. So, Jesus is not saying, you know, here's someone who's under threat of their life. Uh, You don't stand there and say, well, kill me. No, if you have the opportunity, move on to the next place. And there's an example of Jesus Himself doing this, John chapter 8. Fascinating chapter. It begins with people picking up stones to throw at a woman who had been caught in adultery. They wanted to condemn her. Jesus intervenes beautifully on this woman's behalf, ministers grace into her life, brings newness of life, so that she's able to go on in an entirely new direction because of the encounter with Jesus Christ. But if you read on to the end of the chapter, it's quite astonishing. Again, you find the same crowd, they want to pick up stones, and this time, they don't want to throw stones at the woman, they want to throw stones at Jesus. But Jesus' time had not yet come, and so He does not stand there and say, hey, throw stones at me, The Bible tells us, this is John 8 and verse 59, Jesus hid himself. Jesus did this. He hid himself, and then he slipped out of the temple because his time had not yet come. So, we all face multiple situations of difficulty in all spheres of life, and we're faced with a question, we all have this, you know, should I stay or should I go? And these are never easy decisions. But I would certainly say, I I think you would agree with this, if someone's been flinging a javelin at you and is pointing a spear in your direction, it's probably a pretty good time to run for the hills. What do you think? I think that that's what I would do, and I think that David was exactly right to do that in that situation. But we all know that for all the times where some change in life is appropriate— There are many, many, many more times when we just find ourselves plain discouraged and distressed. And whenever you face a situation like that, I'm telling you Psalm 11 is for you, as when I face these situations, Psalm 11 is for me. This is about how to pray when you feel like giving
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and I think we have probably all been there where we feel like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, they're ineffective, you're tired, you're discouraged, you're unfocused in your prayer life, and you just want to give up. If you can relate to that, you may want to go back and listen to this broadcast again. You can always do that when you come to our website, OpenTheBible.org. You can also order the entire series that this message comes from. It's called With Christ in the School of Prayer, Ordering information at the website, openthebible.org. Let's get back to the message from Psalm 11. Again, here's Pastor Colin.
0: Now notice how David responds to the well-meaning advice of his friends. He says, and here's the first line of the psalm, in the Lord I take refuge. So how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain"? How can you say to me, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, what does David do when he feels that everybody's against him, when he feels he's up against the impossible, when he feels that what he's doing isn't accomplishing anything? Well, here's what he does. He takes refuge in God. And the question, of course, is, how do you do that? What did it mean for him to do that? And therefore, how can I do that when I find myself filled with frustration or or with fear and feel like giving up? That's what the psalm's about. This is why it's in the Bible, and it's there for us, and we need it. So, let me suggest to you from the Scripture, and you'll see it's just straight off uh, what's right there in front of you if you have the Bible there, uh, four ways to pray when you feel like giving up. And I promise you that if you will pray in this way, it will greatly help you to find new strength to persevere. Four ways to pray when you feel like giving up. Number one, challenge the voice of fear and frustration. You've got to do that. Challenge the voice of fear and frustration. Now, you see, that's what he's doing in verse 1. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? It's challenging the voice, challenging what's being said right into his soul. He's coming out against it. And you can see that this is fear and frustration. Look at what's being said. Behold, the wicked bend the bow, they've fitted their arrow to the string. That's fear. David, you're going to be harmed if you stick around here. That's fear. And then, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's frustration, obviously. Oh, what good can I do? That's fear, and it's frustration. And so, what David is doing here is he is challenging these voices that are going into his soul and might well take his heart captive. He's pushing them out. He's resisting them. He's challenging them, and he's saying, how can you say these things to my soul? Now, notice, just by the way, he's not addressing God directly in the psalm. He doesn't say, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. He says, In the Lord I take refuge. So, this is what we might call a didactic psalm or a teaching psalm. What he's doing is he's teaching us a framework, a sandbox, if you like, for praying when you feel like giving up. And here's where it begins there are times when we need to learn the art of speaking to ourselves in the presence of God. That's what he's doing. He's challenging the thoughts of his own soul in the presence of God. Very important to do that if you're going to be given the grace to persevere. Now, once you see this, you'll recognize this is actually something that occurs many, many times in the Psalms. This speaking to yourself, taking yourself in hand, challenging your worst thoughts or the worst advice that's been given to you in the presence of God. Um, For example, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise His holy name. David's speaking to himself there, isn't he? and he's challenging himself. Great prayer to pray when you begin at the beginning of a worship service. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's challenging himself to be up for praising God. Or Psalm 42, you find something very similar. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed in turmoil within me? He's challenging the disturbance within his own soul. And here, quite clearly, he is challenging the voices of fear and the voices of frustration that threaten to take possession of his soul. And that's very important to do in the presence of God, challenge the voice of fear and frustration. You know, I like to quote from Mark Lloyd-Jones, I feel that I learned so very, very much, especially from his writings. I never had the joy of knowing him personally. But one thing that Lloyd-Jones said many times that's been so helpful to me was this. One of the big challenges, he would say, in the Christian life is that we spend way too much time listening to ourselves and not nearly enough time talking to ourselves. You think about what he's saying there. We spend way too much time listening to ourselves, And what happens is that out of your soul there comes all this questioning and doubting and complaining and all of this and that. You listen to all these voices, and the more you listen to them, you go down and down and down and down and down. And what Lord Jones was saying, and he takes it right out of the Scripture here, that what we need to learn is the art of speaking to ourselves, of taking ourselves in hand, of instructing ourselves. Sometimes we say it this way, preach the gospel to yourself. Declare the truth to yourself. And friends, this is a a huge part of prayer. You're missing a whole world in prayer if you're not doing this, especially at times of discouragement. What better place to take yourself in hand, as it were, than in the presence of God with Jesus Christ right beside you? What better thing when you feel like giving up than to come into the presence of God and to get out in His presence with Jesus Christ beside you as He is, all that you're afraid of, all that you're frustrated about, lay it at His feet, and then challenge the voices of fear and frustration. In God I take refuge. It's huge. Bring your worst thoughts into the open, and then take yourself in hand and challenge the voice of fear and the voice of frustration right there in the presence of God. And you may need to do this in regards to your own worst thoughts, and you may need to do it with some of the well-meaning advice that comes to you from friends who are thinking they are speaking for your best, but actually they're merely sapping your will and moving you in the wrong direction. Now, we always want to think about how these psalms relate to our Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, you read this psalm, it's immediately obvious. Uh, Verse 2, we read about someone who is upright in heart. And what's the experience of the one who is upright in heart? There's only one who is ultimately upright in heart, isn't there? Our Lord Jesus. And what's his experience? The bow is bent, and the arrows are pointed consistently, always at Him. That was the experience of His entire ministry life, wasn't it? The Herodians, the Pharisees, right from the beginning, they got it in for Jesus, trying to trip Him up in His words and so forth, conspiring against Him again and again and again until ultimately He comes to the cross. So you can see Jesus all over this. But let's ask this question. Did Jesus ever have the experience of having to resist the well-meaning advice of a friend. Does Jesus know what it is to have to challenge these kinds of voices of fear and even of frustration? And the answer to that, of course, is absolutely yes. He's gone through all kinds of testings, just as we have. I can think of at least two occasions uh, when Jesus had to do this, to challenge the voice of fear and frustration from well-meaning friend. One that's perhaps less well-known is in Luke chapter 13 and verse 31. Some Pharisees, we're told, came to Jesus, and they said to him, "'Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you.'" Isn't that interesting? Of course, most of the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus, but not all of them. Some of them, obviously, were well-disposed towards him. Remember Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night? And here are some Pharisees who clearly value Jesus and value his ministry, and they're giving him some inside intelligence. They know that Herod's after him. And they say, hey, Herod's going to kill you. You better get out of here. Flee like a bird to the mountain, you see. And it's the well-meaning advice of friends. We're for you, Jesus. That's why we're telling you this. And, of course, Christ had to challenge the voice of fear and of despair and and he said to them, go tell that fox. I, behold, I cast out demons, and I perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. I love that. In other words, I'm not gonna go anywhere. I'm just straight on with what I'm doing. I love the way he says, go tell that fox. I mean, that's hardly sort of appeasing your enemies, is it? You know, tell Herod, he's a fox. But of course, the other occasion when Jesus had to challenge the well-meaning advice of a friend, and you'll have thought of this one many of you already, much better known. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer many things, he must be killed, and on the third day he must rise from the dead. And you remember what Peter said? Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus, you crucified, he's saying, We love you. We need you. That is the one thing that can never, never happen. And remember what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. Satan. So, Jesus experienced a temptation that was shot at him from Satan through the very words of a friend. So, here is the first way to pray, and it's crucial. That's why I've taken the largest amount of time on it. You have to learn, and there is an art in this, what it is to come into the presence of God and with Jesus Christ right there beside you to challenge the voices of fear and the voice of frustration.
1: Pastor Colin Smith here on Open the Bible with a reminder of how to pray when you feel like giving up. And I love that reminder that when we're struggling to pray, we need to challenge that voice of fear, to challenge that voice of frustration, and to speak truth to ourselves, pray that truth right into the presence of God. Well, our message, How to Pray When You Feel Like Giving Up, is one of the messages in our series, With Christ in the School of Prayer. And if you've missed any of the broadcasts in our series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. There you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You can also listen if you have the Open the Bible app that's free. You're going to find that at your app store. And a great way to listen to Pastor Collins' teaching whenever it fits your schedule. So again, find the app for free at your app store or come to our website, openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We do depend on your generosity to keep Pastor Colin's teaching on the station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we'd like to offer you a book by Alistair Begg. It's called The Christian Manifesto. And Colin, who is this book for?
0: Well, it's really for anyone who is concerned about the deepening cultural divisions and hostilities that seem to be engulfing us these days. And I would think that that would include any thoughtful Christian. It is a marvellous book that is just full of the kind of grace and the kind of wisdom that we need. You know, it seems like Christians are often trying to get a sense of, you know, whose side are we on? Which side are we on? And the, the answer to that question is we're on the side of Jesus. And Alistair Begg has very wonderfully drawn out from Luke's account of the great sermon of Jesus the distinctive call of the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifesto that's given to us as his followers, which is unlike anything else that will ever be found anywhere in the world. I found it refreshing, stimulating. I found it full of hope and full of wisdom, full of encouragement. And I'm very grateful that we have the opportunity of making this book available this month. Well,
1: we would love to send you a copy of this book, The Christian Manifesto, written by Alistair Begg, as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can give online at openthebible.org or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. That's openthebible.org or 1-877-673-6365. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Ever felt like giving up? Sometimes it's right to stay. Other times, it's right to go. Find out how to pray when you feel the pressure to give up next time on Open the Bible.